Welcome to Really Important Fictional Things. My name's Avery. And I'm Rosie. And this week we are talking about Please Like Me, which I feel we've talked about in so many other episodes. We've definitely mentioned it, yeah. So so we're diving into it this week. Um, We'll start by talking about what we've watched, and then we have a fun new list. Different vibes, this list. Yeah, I'm excited. Stick around. My boyfriend is on it. Yes. If that gives you any idea of what is (laughs) coming. (laughs) (laughs) The details, but... And then we just want to give a quick trigger warning for this episode. Um, Please Like Me is a phenomenal show. It's funny, but it also covers some very serious topics like mental health and suicide and coming out and abortion, workplace harassment, divorce, the list goes on. Um, So we just want to give that as a heads up at the top. And here we go. Here we go. is coming from us in California. You're just always Remote somewhere else. Again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm always sitting um, yeah. in the same seat. Down in San Diego visiting some family and it's been really crazy. So I'm sitting in a car right now. <laughs> yeah, she joined us. the Zoom and I was like, this is dedication, folks. <laughs> um, Happy to be here. Yeah. What have you been watching? Did you watch anything on the flight or? Um, I'm trying to think. I watched all of Please Like Me, which is four seasons. They're short, but four seasons in the last week. So that was a big thing. That's a lot. Same for me. That's like the bulk of what I watched. I think that's it. I guess what I started last night. What you started? You were, well. The ultimatum? No. The second Jurassic Park. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And then I was tired and I didn't want to fall asleep during it and lose my place. So I paused and I'll definitely finish it tonight. How far did you get? How did I not know all the people that were in these movies? Toby. Toby from the West Wing is in it. Oh, shit. And so is Vince Vaughn. Like everyone who shows up, I'm like, I know you. Why didn't anyone ever tell me to watch these movies? Is Vince Vaughn supposed to be like the knockout um, Goldblum? Knock off. Gold no, because Goldblum, he's the lead. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, it starts shit. with the main guy, the the guy Grant? who created the whole thing. No, Grant's oh, oh. not in it, and, and neither is Laura Dern so far. Oh. I'm like 30 minutes in, but it's two <laughs> plus hours. So, um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum is the main guy. He's like post what happened in the first movie, trying to tell the world there are dinosaurs, but he signed an NDA, so they keep shutting him down. And now everyone just thinks he's insane. And oh. then he finds out that there's another island with more dinosaurs on it. And his girlfriend, who's a paleontologist, is there alone. And he didn't want to go back and was going to shut the whole thing down. But he has to go because now he feels bad. Is he nice to the girlfriend? Yeah. And she's like, she's like a, I don't like, I just, the word feminist seems like a throwaway word. I would call her a feminist, but she's also just sort of adventurous she's crazy she's very independent she just wants to be up close and personal she's like touching every dinosaur and he's like at least don't touch why are you touching all of them (laughs) (laughs) so like it's kind of funny and then his daughter is a stowaway who's a mixed race I guess because he's white so and that's fascinating it's very he's like a very different character it sounds great yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this. everyone posted when I finish it. But I la- I was laughing to myself as I pressed play. I was like, 
I did. I thought this might happen to me because <laughs> it has some Marvel vibes, or Marvel has Jurassic Park vibes. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then the only other thing. Oh, this will be a little. This will be a little debate for us because I watched Plan B. Okay. And I didn't love it. Is Plan B the? Is that what it's called? The buddy comedy? Yeah. I didn't like not the two like girls. it, but you really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you And Taylor feel? also really liked it. I don't know. Maybe it got too, in my head, I thought it was too hyped or something because both of you really liked it. So maybe my expectations were like unreasonably high, but I guess mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was something I hadn't seen before, aside from that it was for plan B. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I liked it. Like it was to me watching Harold and Kumar, but it was two girls trying to get plan B. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I that makes liked, sense. I liked that it was the same with a little bit of a twist because I felt like it made it, made it more like relatable, I guess. Like I mm-hmm. feel like it'll land for people who might not necessarily have cared that it's hard to get plan B because That's it wasn't, true. it didn't feel like it had an agenda. That's true. That's even though it really clearly did. Right. Maybe I wasn't quite the right audience. I'd also just seen and, some other movie that was very similar to it. Uh, okay. Like a buddy. Comedy I did really two girls trying to get plan B. Gotcha. Yeah. And I haven't seen that. So maybe that one was better. I liked how this portrayed two girls living their life, having a good time. But realistically, men are scary. Men are like scary. you saw them be All like scared, but also having a good time. But then would slip into being scared, but then would have a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. And also, they were both not white, which was nice. Right. Um, but yeah. it wasn't like about that they weren't white. They just happened. To and not the queer storyline was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so I didn't not like it. I think I just maybe I was too primed for it. <laughs> And then I was like, like, yes, that? this was a fine movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I feel gotcha. like happens. But yeah. And then otherwise I watched Please Like Me. What a boring. It, this is five minutes. <laughs> and we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. We have a lot like to me. say for Please Like Me. So that's all you get for our what we watched. That's it. Please like me. We're an epic show, epic. but like a quietly epic show. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, so we're going to do a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, just warning. But really quickly at the top, let's just talk about what happens at a high level. The show opens with Josh. Josh is our main character. Josh's mom attempting suicide um, unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. So in the first scene, he, his girlfriend breaks up with him because he's gay. And he's like, what? She's like, no, you are. (laughs) And then his mom attempts suicide. And that sort of like kicks it, kicks it all off. (laughs) And that really sets the tone for this show. Because, because also it's the way he reacts to those things because she breaks up with him, says he's gay and he's like, what, what? And then they're just sitting there with this absurdly large ice cream sundae between them. And he says, well, this $19 sundae feels ridiculous now. (laughs) Like that. Yeah. But like like no emotional reaction. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then that season is basically just slice of life. Him like exploring his sexuality, um, 
hanging out with his mom. And then the second season, she gets manic because she's bipolar. Mm -hmm. So it opens and she's manic. She spends a season in a private hospital um, talking to other people that are there, like other patients. And he spends the season falling in love with his roommate and then also started dating one of the other mental patients. Mm -hmm. Then the third season is the relationship with that guy who is no longer in hospital. His friend, Tom getting another girlfriend. Yeah. Like his fourth fourth girlfriend or something. Yeah. Tom. Oh my God. What a character. And he perfectly encapsulates all the things that we hate about straight men and they do it on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, they're constantly mm-hmm. bullying him for being a straight man, basically. Yeah. yeah. The amount of times someone says something to him, like they, <laughs> at one point, one of his girlfriends says something about the patriarchy and he's like, well, I can't say anything now, can I? Like, it'll all just be, <laughs> you can just use the patriarchy again. It was like, mm-hmm, I don't feel bad. This You're, is true. You can't say anything <laughs> now. Uh, and then the fourth season is he breaks up with a boyfriend at some point. So he's sad and gay and alone and like having sex with tons of people, but hating it. Tom has a girlfriend, which we love. And he's like a much better person now, yes. which is like also a straight guy thing. Yes. He he's kind like, of just decides in, to I, be a better person for her. Yeah. There's a scene where he's like, before you moved in, I never noticed how trash I was. <laughs> and now you're here. It's really annoying. It makes me sad because I have to be better. Yep. <laughs> Oh boys. And then the the season and the series concludes with his mother successfully successfully, that's a shitty way to say it, completing suicide. Yes. Which we'll get to. <laughs> I feel yeah, like we I don't we'll want to start it. there. So we'll get to that. Um That's a quick overview. Yeah. So that's it. That's a good that's a good overview. Um and then you had said you had some stuff from Josh himself, who's a very young thing. Like he's like he's 32. 32 now. And this was in yeah. 2013. Yeah. I mean, he got big when he was like 17 yeah, or something. Like I he read. was like nationally prominent mm-hmm. stand up. Uh, so it's an Australian show. Also, we should mention. Yes. And I read a bunch of articles from Josh Thomas and several interesting things. So one about his character, which we kind of just talked about, you brought up with his reaction, like non-reaction mm-hmm. to things, non-emotional mm-hmm. reaction to things. And Rosie's favorite thing where he just says what's happening. Yeah, I have that written right? down. <laughs> I don't know what to say other than he just says what's happening. I'll but it's like, incredible. oh, this is what we're doing now? Yeah. yeah. But it'll be like someone will be having a mental breakdown and he'll say, oh, so now we're having a mental breakdown. Should we sit? I'll get water. Should I get water? I'll get water. I'm going to get water and then I'm going to come back. But you just keep having your breakdown and, and, I'll, and yeah. I'll return. It's like he just I really like it. It eases my anxiety because I'm just like, oh, we've said it now. Nothing's unsaid. It's just Yes, there's no doubt. And then he'll come back and be like, oh, you're still sad. OK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of hoped that you'd be done being sad by the time I got back. <laughs> yeah. So several layers of that. Yeah. Um, first, he's talking about why he writes characters like that. And he says that. In shows, characters usually like almost immediately grasp like the emotional ramifications, like Mm. emotionally how they're supposed to be feeling. And he says like, that doesn't really happen in real life. And 
he says he usually, this is a direct quote. I usually feel a bit startled and honestly a bit embarrassed. I'm not behaving the way I think I should because of television. Yeah. Oh, really Very important, important fictional, fictional things. things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job, Josh. Yeah. So he wanted to show that characters um, routinely stumble and regress and there are no tidy arcs and things like that. Yeah. So that's why I think our characters are so flawed. And he also he's getting a lot of feedback that like that person's doing that thing. It makes me not like them. And he was like, good. Mm-hmm. If I'm writing the characters, well, you should love them. Sometimes you should hate them. Sometimes they're real people. I feel like that's how you feel. But yeah, the people in your life, mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I that completely I agree. Hate them. But there are definitely times where you're like, you need to stop being the way you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later, you're like, God, I love how much you are this way. Yeah. <laughs> like the same person. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. <laughs> it's very confusing. It makes life really difficult. Yeah. And the only way you can really get through it is just kind of be like hands off with mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. which this show is. Yes. Like even little things, like there's one scene where he's saying to, we'll get to Arnold, but Arnold, he's just met a guy. They have a meet cue. And the guy says, Josh says to him, look me up on Facebook. And the guy says, I don't have Facebook. And he says, well, I don't have time to indulge you on why you've made that decision. And just like leaves the room because <laughs> he has somewhere to be. <laughs> Whereas like the, the norm, the actual thing someone might say is like, oh, okay. Or here's my number. Or like, oh, let, why? He's just like, yeah, ugh, no. Not going to deal with this. So that leads us to our next thing, which is that Josh Thomas has diagnosed ADHD and also is autistic. Yeah, but he didn't find that out until later, right? Right. After Please Like Me, when he's doing his next show, which you like. Yes, but I'll bring seen. it up. Everything is going okay. to be okay, which makes sense yeah. as a title that Josh Thomas would pick. Yeah, and they say that all the time. He even Especially has a Tom, where, his best character, yeah. or his best friend. Yeah, he even has a scene yeah. where he makes them all say it together out loud to his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't know it then. And then he's making this new show where there is an autistic character. And he had all these, like, experts on. And he, he was like, do you think I'm autistic? And the experts were like, Let's get you a, a consultation. <laughs> okay, so the scene in that show, really quickly, where because he that's the only thing he wrote into that show that was his life. So his character on that show discovers he's autistic, and he oh, takes like an online. Te- he does go to a doctor too, but before that, he takes like the online "Am I autistic?" test. If you Google it, and um, every single question on it, he's like, "Well, doesn't everyone feel that way?" And his uh, half sister, whatever, doing the test is like. No. Uh, so he said he went and rewatched Please Like Me. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm autistic. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. That's got to be such a crazy way to realize that about yourself. I guess any yeah. way you realize something like that is going to feel odd. but um, And then the only other thing I read about that I wanted to bring up, because we've kind of talked about it, is him and him and Tom the guy that plays Tom, I think are best friends in real life. Mm -hmm. He writes for both shows. And he said that Josh Thomas like loved whenever anything bad happened to anybody who was working on the show. Cause he was like, great. Something we can put in the show. (laughs) Like anyone had a sad story. Yeah, exactly. So like when Tom's ex, ex maybe current girlfriend's rabbit dies, Mm -hmm. 
that really happens. Oh, he like came wow. in to work one day and he was like, okay, so my ex-girlfriend's rabbit died in my car this weekend. Oh no. And Josh was like, great. We're writing it. <laughs> Honestly, I would probably do that. If you're yeah, doing they talk like about that, you would just pull things. Yeah. And they talk about how it like is a little silver lining. Like everything, every time something bad happens to you, you can be like, oh, well, this is helpful. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me how you and I have talked about like when we're going through life we'll be like, oh, this thing is happening. It's kind of shitty. But now I get to tell my best friend. Yeah, totally. 100%. I feel like that's a real thing. And it's a, it's a helpful, for me anyway, way to look at life. Because then you're not like mad automatically. or f- It's like the only emotion isn't the negative one. Even if you're not mm-hmm. having to force yourself to be positive about it. It's just like, oh, there could be other elements to this. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think it's healthy to completely shut off from your feelings, like feel your feelings. Don't be so removed. But I also do think at the end of the day that like, we're all kind of just living in this bizarre story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, maybe it's are. more helpful to think about it like that. Yeah. Well, that's another thing I had um, written down. So obviously, yes, I love that he just narrates the awkward element of each moment that he's in but I also they the him and his friends live in such a carefree way that I really liked and can't quite do myself but I feel like that goes with what you were saying of like things just sort of happen like we're just in a story like it's just going on around us and you have to just Mm -hmm. allow it to be happening I have such the natural planner element to me that I struggle as you know, since you lived with me and are my best friend, it is not easy for me to do, but I liked, I like the idea of it. (laughs) Like even just moments where they're just like laying in bed and like him and Arnold and Claire comes in and just like gets in bed with them. I was like, Mm -hmm. Avery would live a life like that. I would be like, why are you now in bed with now? I don't know how to do this part now. (laughs) Yeah, that is very me. Just constantly inserting myself into shit. Well, even, or if you were Arnold or Josh, you also wouldn't have cared. Oh, I would have been so happy that yes. you were there. Another person like, here. Rosie's how here great. Now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or how um, Tom was making the cardboard city and mm-hmm. he seemed to just like have this idea. So then they all just spent the night doing that, like drinking mm-hmm. wine and then decided to go out after. I, my mind was just blown. They were just going with the flow. I don't understand where the flow is. I don't know how to go with it. Yeah. But I mean, the show is self-aware that it's a very particular way that they live because they have his dad character. Mm -hmm. And Josh at one point describes they're constantly annoyed with him, but he's a great person. Alan. Great dad. Alan's a lovely human being. So nice. Like one of the most, I think the nicest character in the show, genuinely best person. And at one point, Josh describes why he was always annoyed with him. And he's like, He's just constantly shocked that things are happening, that like life is moving and things are occurring in life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's the, he's trying, he's trying to live life and the rest of them are just living life and he's trying to live it in a specific way and trying to get to a place. Even we can talk about Rose separately as well, but even at the very end when Rose has passed away and he, he then like starts to go clean out the fridge and Josh is like, stop it. Like, I mm-hmm. need you to stop doing that. 
Um, and then obviously he needs comfort and they hug and stuff. But I was watching that being like, I would have been Alan. I would have been like, so should we clean it now? Should we now take an action in some way? Yeah. And you would have had the same reason. You would have been like, everything's going to go bad. It's going to be harder to clean it a week from now. Yes, like I would be now. going on a whole other journey, which totally reasonably someone else would be like, well, I'm in emotional pain. and don't give a fucking shit about the milk. Like, please stop mm-hmm. talking about it. <laughs> oh God. So it is a very particular way. And I mean, it doesn't play out well for many of them. They're no. not thinking very far ahead and they often get screwed. No, that's true. And the whole show ends with the, both of them being miserable. <laughs> But they have each other. No, that's true. I mean, you need a balance of it. The elusive balance, as I like to just call it. I feel like the conclusion Mm -hmm. to all of my conversations now is like, it's about a balance or drink more water. (laughs) Those are the two things. That is such a good encapsulation of being in your early 30s. (laughs) It's a balance. Just drink more water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, Okay. Can we talk a little about the romantic relationships? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So we have some listener questions um, that we're going to go through. Rosie has the list. I do. And some of them are specifically about the romantic partners. So I'm going to ask some of those. I'm going to loop them together. But one of them is someone wrote, why do I like Patrick so much and hate Jeffrey so much? Such opinions are not logical. Do you agree? Do you prefer Patrick to Jeffrey as well? I guess is the initial question. And then we can branch. Patrick is the roommate. Yeah. Jeffrey is the boyfriend. The first one. The first boyfriend. I would want to hang out with Patrick, but I would want to be in love with Jeffrey. Yeah. I think I feel the same way. I would not want to date or love or like Patrick. It would be. No, I think it doesn't go fun going out friend. Yeah. And you could yeah. make out with him at the bar and then that's it, which is sort it's of what he does. Deep. He just doesn't want to go deep. Well, he and then very specifically doesn't want to have sex with Josh. Yeah. So apparently that also happened in his real life. He had a boyfriend that he was like very in love with. And they were like, yeah, I really like you. Not attracted to you. That would be Don't want to have sex with very you. difficult. I mean, that's what his reaction is. Yes. He's like, literally, you could have said anything else. You could have said you hated my personality. Yeah, it would have been, been better. That would have been easier. To, that would be easier to take than someone saying, mm-hmm. I love everything about you, but I'm like, couldn't get, can't get anywhere near wanting to have sex with you. Yeah, it's like really it, weird. Like it. I also think that's a male only thing. Well, I don't know. That's like a huge generalization, but I feel like women have sex with men. They don't really want to have sex with all the time. <laughs> because they like their personality. Oh, well, I, I see know. what you're saying. Like someone they're actually dating, but they don't really yeah. like the sex. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that is true. <laughs> I thought you were talking more about like they get stuck in situations where they don't really know or like this person, but must have sex with them because it's the easiest way through. No, I think that happens to men more often. Oh, I think men get trapped in situations where they're like, oh, no, this is sex. Whereas women are like, really? I really like this person. I think so. No. Interesting. I wouldn't. That's not what I would have thought. The fuck boys. The soft boys. I think yeah, some of them don't intend want... to. Oh, don't intend no. to. But I don't think they're like, damn it. I wish this was no, happening. No, that's true. I mean, they get through it. <laughs> they put on a stiff upper lip. <laughs> 
mean, I guess we're making a ton of assumptions because I've not been. Yeah, it's a very particular kind of person. Anyway. But I do think there are women that are like, you better my life. I love talking to you. You turn me on about 25% of the time that we're around, but we'll have a sexual relationship. Yeah, that's probably true. That's also TikTok is convincing me that all women should just sleep with other women. I know I'm on a very very particular corner of TikTok. That's definitely not what my TikTok is telling me. All I see is heterosexual couples do like doing dances and cleaning together. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have some of that too, but the amount of TikToks that I have that are women that are like dated a man for, or married a man for eight years, never was that interested in sex and couldn't figure out why. And then it like changes and it's like, women. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that is not I've not seen that on my TikTok at all. Well, we've talked about this because I'm like hilariously straight. So I feel like whenever those comments are made, I'm like, if the person wants it, I am very in support. I do not want that for myself. No, it's true. We have to remember that we live in a world where we all are just served niche content. Yeah, which is very funny. Um. Mm Okay, so Jeffrey, I agree. And the way you phrased it, I thought I noticed because you said I would want to be in love with Jeffrey because the problem for Josh is he just wasn't quite. And Jeffrey just liked him too much. And I just rewatched the scene where Tom says, well, why'd you break up? And he said, he just liked me. He just liked me so much. And that was not good. And I was like, that I also understand. I as well understand that. And it doesn't I don't know why it's not sexy when someone likes you that much. When you don't like them that much, too. Like when I like when your someone, like doesn't match, yeah, when your like doesn't match, it's no good. It's it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's it's feels so terrible. And it's so much easier to be the person that likes more. I agree than to be with the you. one that is liked more. I agree with you. But I'm very curious if we did a poll like do most who wants. Yeah, I'd rather like more. I feel like I have almost more control somehow. That is 100% what it is. Because then I can keep my like to myself. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I also feel guilty when someone really likes me. Yes. And I don't like them the same amount. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Okay. The other person, um, the other question we have about a romantic partner is, do we like Ella? Should we like Ella? And I like Ella. Fucking love Ella. Yeah. Is it, why shouldn't we? Why should we not? I don't understand. Could be perceived as annoying. Yeah. But I don't think she is at all. I think she's hilarious. I think she's hilarious. I think she fits into the group quite well. And I think she mm-hmm. allows Tom to want to be better without ever requesting it of him. Yeah. And she's also like gives space for who Tom is. Mm-hmm. Like even the way that they decided that they were going to start dating, <laughs> yeah. they basically were just like both of them were like, but you're a shitty, terrible person. But they didn't mean it. Yeah. Whereas Claire really did believe that Tom. Um, Tom is a shitty, terrible person. Yeah. The first time I watched this show, I wanted Claire and Tom to end up together. And I did not want that this time. Like they made sense when they happened. And it was also good to me that they didn't continue. Mm -hmm. Well, Claire just like drops out. Was she shooting something else? Yes. She was in a show on CW. She was in rain because Mm. that comes up as well. And our questions, hang on, I'm scrolling. How do you feel about the steady degradation of Claire and Josh's friendship from season three to season four? There's a tectonic shift here that isn't really explained. And it also comes up in that, like, Claire is so present and supportive when his aunt Peg dies, but is barely there or able to be there for when his mom dies. 
And in some ways, I think there are friends when something really hard or bad happens that can't handle it and don't want to watch either whatever. There's probably a myriad of reasons. Like they don't want to watch you in pain going through it or they don't want to be close to the pain or the sadness. So they just can't show up or don't show up in a way that you need. Um, so it felt like they used Claire to show that, but it wasn't super believable to me that Claire would, that that's how Claire would have reacted to this, to his mom. Mm-hmm. She does kind of just become a progressively worse and worse person. I, I liked the, I, the storyline where she comes back and she's like, moving to Germany was such a good idea. Like going to Europe was such a good idea. Like why was it so shit? And his response is like, that's like a good idea in theory, like Mm -hmm. to make you sound like interesting and have something to talk about at parties. That doesn't mean it's like actually a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's kind of where her personality trends. Like she's, and also probably why she's shitty to Tom and can't see like why he actually would be a good person to maybe be with. Yeah. She's like kind of surfacey. Yeah. I agree. I guess it just, it didn't feel to me like she was that way in the first season. No, but I think they were super young. Like That's true. Josh was the only person that she'd ever dated. They started dating in like middle school. Oh, yeah. So I, I think there's a lot that. of maturation for Clara that's off screen. And maybe she just becomes a worse person. That happens. That does happen. <laughs> that does happen. Um, oh, I also thought it was believable She's a ling. She lingers around people like she she moved back and then just moved in or was on their couch or whatever. And then even when she was in Germany, it sounded like she just hung around certain people. Like She didn't really make her own friends or do her own thing. So it also made sense mm-hmm. to me. I mean, they had to write this in, I guess. But when she kind of disappears, she apparently is living with a boyfriend. Like now she's just lingering around that person's home. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the boy, she's know. almost like social climbery. Yeah. Because the boyfriend is like older and rich. It's like a nice place. I mean, place. I think, yeah, it is a nice place. I think Tom says this to her at some point. She's like, I just feel like I should be doing something else. And he is like, yeah, but if you were there doing the thing, you would wish you were doing something else somewhere else. Yeah. Like, that's just what your personality is. Yeah, that's true. Whereas they so. are, for better or worse, Tom and Josh are just quite fine being where they are doing what they're doing. Yeah. They're quite fine being a bit shit. Yes. Like being a little miserable. They're fine with that. Yeah. I mean, you get used to that too. So then if you, if you try to not, if you try to do anything else, like the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be if it doesn't go well when you try to get better. Yeah. But on the flip side, it is sad having to let go of that part of your life, Mm -hmm. you know, like at the end when they're moving out and everything is changing, it's like, it is worse in some ways that now they're in different spots Yes, and have to be more adult. It's not not as fun. Not for long (laughs) since he shows up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you think he moves in and lives with them then? I think so. I hope so. I think he probably does. I was really sad. Did you see the Ella breakup coming? No. And I forgot. I didn't it happened, either. So I was sad about it. I and it I was don't unnecessary. Like Very, I mean, realistic. But because well, I think that happens to people a lot. They're like, oh, shit. Now we have to move in together. Mm-hmm. And I can't ignore all the things. Right. That I didn't like. I think both are realistic. Like it also could have been great. Mm hmm. 
and they chose that it wasn't. So then it then it begs the question, like, did they did they from a creative writing standpoint, are they making a statement that like Josh and Tom are the main relationship in this? Because hmm. it would have been OK to watch Josh cooking his pasta alone and Tom and her like setting up their living room like that would have been a satisfying s- scenes, too. I wouldn't have been like, oh, I want Josh and Tom together. I don't know. I mean, that's compelling. I didn't think about it that way. I think from the arc for Tom growing up, I think it was that he only bettered his life for this girl that he wanted to keep. And now he has to sort of be like, okay, am I going to go back to being a shit person or am I actually going to like better my life for the sake of it? For Josh... I think it's about how he can't like emotionally let anyone in because Jeffrey comes back into his life for a minute and he's the same sort of like can't have emotions, can't be authentically vulnerable with someone. And Jeffrey's like, we can't do this. Yes. With Jeffrey, he can't. But I would argue he was vulnerable and authentic with Arnold. I don't agree with that because I don't think Arnold ever let him get close enough well he tried I guess I just mean like I think he's capable and interested in it I don't think him and Jeffrey ever were going to make sense because there were a few times where he said to Arnold like my feelings also need to matter like I need to matter this is what I need and Arnold was like I don't care (laughs) but don't you think maybe he chose someone that wouldn't let him get close maybe but I guess I just think he's like on that trajectory like I don't think it's Mm -hmm. It's not possible for him. I think he just hasn't found the right person to be that way with. And he's barely vulnerable with Tom. It's just so different. And so like then I guess it's not really because then they immediately say a joking thing. (laughs) Yeah. Diffuse, diffuse. Diffuse, diffuse is the constant name of the game. What did you think of when Ben had a girlfriend? Um, Oh, yeah. Ben was the one who had brain surgery. Yeah. And he calls him and he says, when are you going to be home so we can do sex? He's like, I have a girlfriend now. And he says, do you do sex with the girlfriend? And he's like, yeah. Well, then after Josh goes into the living room where Ella and Tom are, and he's like, I miss the old days when people were just gay or straight. And if they were bisexual, they were lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought that line was funny. I liked that. In terms of Ben specifically, I mean, we just didn't know that character that well. So it felt like something that must have happened to him or someone else in real life that you had a sexual mm-hmm. thing with someone thought it was going to come back. And then they were like, not only no, but I'm now dating someone of the opposite sex. You'd be like, well, fuck me then. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Especially because that guy yeah. had been so interested in him sexually and mm-hmm. otherwise. Like he was so mm-hmm. attracted to him for reasons he like couldn't even quite understand. <laughs> so I yeah. felt like it threw me even more. I wonder if it makes you question yourself too, to be like, is there something about me that's feminine or did I drive him to the other sex? Yeah, you could definitely ask yourself that. I feel, I think that would be normal and make sense to question though. He could have been by before. Like we didn't know that character, right? Right. The, mm-hmm. the story we have is that like horrifying story he tells in the bath of what happened with his first love who was a man, Yeah, but he doesn't talk mm-hmm. about any other woman. No. But I do, I I think I appreciate it. And maybe this is the, him being autistic. But I did like when emotional things would come up or someone would tell him something and he would just be like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to, I'm done and I'm going to hang up. 
No. Like he would just, he'd like then <laughs> process it, but he would just be like, I'm not like, they, I hear, I've heard your information. I will now go to another place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. To your earlier point, I feel like Arnold is kind of the only person that he attempts to process in real time mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I feel like everyone else, he just, but Arnold won't let him like kind of no, at the Arnold end before he breaks up with him. Arnold is trying to be like, let's work on things. Let's talk about things. And immediately Josh is like, no, we must break up. Wait, when is that? When they go to Hannah's birthday beach party thing. Oh, right. But then they aren't broken up. No, no, they're not broken up yet. But I'm saying on the episode and like right before that, Arnold is trying to start to like reach out to Josh Hmm. instead of Josh reaching out to him. And Josh is just like over it. Oh, that's so interesting. That's not how I watched that scene. Mm. I felt like Arnold was just attacking him. Like he could, maybe it was before that. This The only part of that fight I remember is Arnold like bringing back up the, like six months ago or a year ago, whatever. You like went on the boat with your dad and didn't like, and abandoned me. Right. <laughs> that's the part of the fight I, didn't I remember. I mean the so specific maybe it was before fight. That. Oh, okay. I meant okay. Just in like general. Physical. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends. It feels like he's wily, that Josh. It depends on where his head is in that moment, if he can. Arnold is also a terrible boyfriend, and I didn't trust him at all. I was like, get away. He also kept saying that, but that doesn't, but he didn't actually leave. Like, he kept saying, I'm the the wrong choice. I'm a bad choice in boyfriend. I can't be your boyfriend. I'm not going to be good at this. But he didn't actually not do it he would just like say all that stuff which then puts josh in the position of saying like no no let's do it right yeah Yeah. those people are also so alluring because you're like well i don't even get the chance to decide if you're good or bad and now i just want you yeah do you remember the scene where they're just walking around in one of those mazes like Mm -hmm. um so first of all behind the scenes they got lost in that maze they like all went like a handful of people went into the maze to try to like figure out what directions they'd walk in with once they had the cameras and then they got totally lost for half an hour (laughs) (laughs) so the interview with josh thomas is like how expensive what a stupid like why didn't we think or pay any attention to that um but in that moment arnold also says i'm afraid if you get too close to me you'll figure out you don't actually like me but to your point about being alluring that's sort of like well what a challenge let's see yes (laughs) But because you yeah. now said it, if I do get too closer and realize you're not so much you were right, but that like, yes, I don't quite like you. Now I'll feel bad. Like now I have to stay, though. Like it's right. not safe. It's not a safe yep. connection. No, it's um, a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> and then, OK, the other romantic people are mostly for Tom. So there's Neve. <laughs> I love Neve. I you hate her. Like I like, hate her I in the beginning, her life, but she's such a good character. And I love when she shuts she's, him down. Yeah. I feel like that is very vindicating. This show is very good at showing heterosexual dynamics, mm-hmm. which is funny because Josh is gay in real life and mm-hmm. in the show, but it's such a vindicating moment when she's like, don't ever contact me again, Tom, we're not doing this. Yes. And just hangs up on him. Loved it. Cause Loved there's it. so many girls in real life that end up being the quote unquote crazy girl. But it's because they have these men treating them like absolute trash. Yes. 
I mean, I also quite liked the scene where Josh is talking because Neve and Tom have broken up. Tom keeps saying, I don't want a girlfriend. I don't want a girlfriend. But they're now having sex post breakup, even though he keeps saying it's not a connection. And but she still clearly like has feelings. And Josh at one point looks at him and says, so you're just okay with the fact that having sex with you makes her feel sad. Your sex makes her sad. (laughs) (laughs) and you watch Tom sort of just be like I guess yep I guess yes I'm fine with that and maybe I shouldn't be but I am he is and there's so many straight men like that in real life and it's just such a good depiction of guys that are just like resigned to the fact that they're being shitty people Mm -hmm. And and men we love you you can do better we know you don't like yourself when you're doing those things. No, so stop doing there's them. There's <laughs> no way this feels good to you. No, you get to have like a 10 second orgasm and that's worth it. No, so many straight men, they just don't have joy in their life. Yeah. And this person is now crying. Right. Yeah. But maybe it's like, how? oh my God, I was just going to get real dark. <laughs> <laughs> Your call. I was gonna say maybe it's maybe it's like how serial killers can only like feel emotionally connected to people at the moment when they're like in terrible pain. Maybe straight men sometimes need women to be crying because it helps them like relate to that side of themselves. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> because Josh literally says at one point, and he said it in an interview that I read too, that up until age seven, girls and boys cry the same amount of time same amount and then after age seven boys stop crying and so I think that's a big part of Tom's character and I think in real life too Mm -hmm. why men just can't they just can't yeah and like (laughs) in their defense we will I will defend them in this moment they are told to stop crying right like to yeah which must be why they stop after seven not just of their own volition (laughs) like the society mm-hmm. oh no it's cultural yeah yeah, yeah. that that mm-hmm. and because that happens it like gets so it's so layered too so the men in your life aren't crying like the adult men if you're a young boy either so you're like well clearly here we go I'm not allowed yeah. to do that right it's not okay and maybe it's foreign to why girls would even cry mm-hmm. like maybe it doesn't even occur that it would hurt that much because they've just shut off the feelings. Well, it's also like when I see guys, women too, but mostly men get like very angry. I don't get that either because it's not where my emotional range like brings me to. So it could be similar with mm. crying. If they're like, yeah, maybe I'll cry if someone is dead. But like that's what mm-hmm. gets me to cry. Whereas I'll see like a sweet TikTok and be actively crying (laughs) like everyone's ranges that actually happened to me today I was like kind of sobbing but um see I think you're right they just like don't even they can't even comprehend it really and this show I mean does a great job Josh Thomas is just very interested in people Mm -hmm. and you can tell Mm -hmm. and it's funny because his character is written as like a narcissistic person but really, now that we know he's autistic, I really just think it's that he's autistic. Yeah. And I don't know what this says about me. And like, yes, he's definitely talking about himself all the time and thinking about himself all the time. But he also is one of the one characters in the show who's makes space for people a lot. I, or I feel like I'm watching him make space for people quite often. 
Yeah, it did occur to me, especially in the early seasons, though, that like we don't know anything about the other characters' parents. No. We only know about them when they're standing in front of Josh. Mm-hmm. Well, I also heard, read a handful of quotes where they were like, the way you hear a lot of successfully creative people talked about, like he knows exactly what he wants. He has a vision. He sticks to it. He can make decisions quickly, like da, 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 da. And then a few people were like, which is also sort of annoying. He's not like the best collaborator because once he has an idea, that's just the idea that we're doing now. Um, yeah. Which I can totally see. Like he's got a good yeah. vision, but it's his. And that's kind of how he is, even when he's like bringing people together or like Mm -hmm. trying to like one of the best scenes is when Arnold is practicing to come out to his father. I agree. Yeah. Incredible. I think Alan and May have just broken up, right? He just found out she cheated, I think. Okay. So then you can see the wheels turning in Josh's head and he's like bringing them together in this like beautiful orchestrated scene and neither of them wants to do it. And you don't quite know where it's going. And then in the end, it's like this beautiful emotional nugget. And Josh is like, yes, there you go. You're welcome. That's what I was trying to do. Like, I guess, yeah, I guess even, I don't know that I'd call it narcissistic specifically, but anytime he's making space for someone else, it is still sort of for his own self-fulfillment. Right. Right. Which is interesting. That's interesting. Or at least his own script. Yeah. Are we ready to talk about mental health in this show? Yeah, always. So (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm going to. So when Rose is his mom's name and when Rose first is admitted to the hospital, she's very because there's another she's in the hospital. And then they say, we have to send you to this like place to live. So was yeah. there was that her another attempted suicide and that's why she's there? No, she's in the hospital because she's manic. Oh, right. Because he shows think, up and she's like, I'm doing so much better than her because she tried to yeah. kill herself and look at me. And she's like, ba-da, ba-da, ba. Yeah. But I don't remember how she landed in there. I, I think either. she like tried to steal something or <laughs> I don't know. They, they do just at the beginning of each season, like time passes quite quickly. Because the show starts in their 21, but it ends in their almost 30. So, but it's only four episodes, uh, four seasons. So like, mm-hmm. um, which I, th- I like the way they did that anyway. So when Rose ends up at the hospital and she meets Ginger and Josh is with his mom. So they all sit down at the table and I just loved when Ginger says, <laughs> it's a lot like high school meets prison like the bipolar and the depressed sit together and these groups sit together mm-hmm. and like blah, blah, blah. And Josh says high school plus prison. That is the most horrifying thing mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Like what a, what a scary, what a scary combination of things for emotional Elements, reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I thought one of the good things, and we can get into Rose specifically, and I'm curious what you want to say about all this especially with what you're studying and stuff but um mm-hmm. i liked that the different characters who had different mental health issues weren't all the same or it wasn't just one person who struggled with mm-hmm. mental health like it and even folks who weren't in the hospital like clearly tom is not okay it's just no like, he's also deeply in a depressed different way. deeply depressed does not like himself um, no. all these people would benefit from some therapy. Um, but there were different types and levels and ranges. And I thought that was groundbreaking. Like typically when I'm watching a show, it's like one person needs help. Yeah, totally. No, they do a really good job at it. And they do a really good job of normalizing it without making it like 
a fantasy sort of mm-hmm. like Josh and some of the interviews that I was reading talked about that really specifically because his mother in real life attempted suicide. And he said that one of the things that was in his head when he was making the show is like, I don't want to glorify it. I don't want my mom to be watching it and like start have fantasies about suicide. Mm-hmm. I read that too. Yeah. So I think he does a good job of showing that like these people are human. They have everyday existences within the hospital and outside of it, but it's still not okay. Mm-hmm. What's happening. Like one of the hardest things to watch for me was when Hannah starts oh hurting God. herself. And I'd not seen that specific no. type of self-harm before she, for people who haven't seen it, she like it's like she's break, trying to break her bone. She's like whacking herself yeah, on her feet. Raw? Is it raw? It's like it looks like a mortal and pestle. Yeah, that's what like the like. pestle. Like a big She's one. just hitting her foot over and over. With like full strength. Full force. Yeah. Oh my God. Like her feet so are covered in bruises. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad. Really, really bad. There's lots of different reasons why people self-harm. Obviously. In lots of different ways. I thought this was interesting because it matches Hannah's depressive qualities and like her personality. Mm-hmm. Like she's not depressed for any, she's genuinely depressed and she's self-harming in a place where no one else will ever see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not something for anybody else. No. And I thought the scene where, Because Hannah and Rose live together at one point when they both leave the hospital. And there's a scene where um, Rose is trying to figure out if she is feeling for someone or not. But because of her medication, she can't quite. So she keeps saying, like, how will I ever know if I like someone? Because I feel like gray about everything and everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's when Hannah admits, admits is maybe not the right word, tells um, Rose that she's been hurting herself again. And she's like, well, you know the meds are working when you feel like you could not use them. Cause I felt that way. And then I went off them and now I'm hurting myself again. Like I just have to mm-hmm. be beige. I just have to live in the beige. And I hadn't watched a conversation like that happen before, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, that is I mean, something people experience. I mean, medication is intense and scary. And like, I think that's a big thing people go through when they're on it. It's intense and scary. But one of the things that it does that it's intended to do is make your life mundane. Right. Like, as someone that is medicated, when I'm not on my medication, everything feels so big and important and emotional. And like, there's a reason Mm -hmm. even when things are bad. Right. I feel like I'm very important. (laughs) Yeah. You become the main character in like a interesting way. Yeah. It just, it feels like, yeah, it feels so big. Yeah. And then to, be just normal quote-unquote normal and have your daily existence just be like mundane is can be horrible yeah I thought they portrayed it as someone who doesn't feel that I felt like they portrayed it in a way the most believable way like it made sense like I understood them when they were talking about it if I hadn't felt it yes very relatable yeah Um, yeah but in reality that is what is healthy like we, none of us really matter that much. The things that happen in our day-to-day life are like usually not that important. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> it's just beige. Yeah, it's just beige. Sorry, Hannah. And when we you must can live in the beige. Yeah. What, what causes problems is when people have super high reactions to normal things that happen in their lives. Right. 
Um, well, the other I had read the same thing you mentioned about how he didn't want to glorify it or or make it look appealing. Like he didn't want anyone to watch a show. Like his mm-hmm. biggest one of his biggest fears, he said, yeah, was that like someone would watch a show and think, hmm, maybe I'll try that. Like maybe that's a way mm-hmm. for attention. Because um, that episode at the end of season four when Rose is successful and he gets there and finds her like that whole episode was excruciating to watch i remember it being hard to watch the first time but somehow it felt like harder this time mm. maybe because i watched it so condensed and you knew it was coming so she seemed you better and you're like she's not better she's not better knowing it was coming and not remembering where it happened in the season was really really nerve-wracking because yeah. every time he called his mom i would be like oh yeah, is, is this going to be the time? Yeah. Every time we walk in the house, I was like, ah. yeah, looking for her. <laughs> yeah, which I think so. In so one of the other questions we got is season two, episode seven, one of the top five best half hours of television in the last 25 years. <laughs> I think it is. Please debate. And it's the episode where they go on their hike. So it's right after Ginger has uh-huh. um, killed herself and. Rose and Josh, you know, you know, that's what I'm talking about. So in the whole day, the whole episode on quite a hike, like mostly day yeah. camping. Hike. Yeah. Backpacking. Backpacking. Um, in the bush. Yeah. What do you think? Is that do you think it's one of the best half hours of television in the last 25 years? I think it's good. I think it's up there for I sure. There. I, I would argue that I think the episode in season four where they go to dinner is better. I loved the dinner episode. I th- I liked both. I don't know which one I liked better. But now I feel like I can't choose because I'm being torn between the listeners. <laughs> two <you>. different people. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding too much weight to it. Well, so my reasons is because I think the camping one is great in terms of insight into why she does what she does. Like, that's where she says when I was trying to kill myself, I really thought I was doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. Like I was removing myself from the lives of people who I was hurting. Yeah. That's really good. And the way they shot and everything is really, really beautiful. Yeah. I just liked, I guess I liked the dinner one because I thought it was a bit more nuanced and complicated mm-hmm. the way that the three of them are relating to each other and talking about love. And, I liked you know. Alan being there too. To talk about mm-hmm. the camping episode for another second, though, um, yeah, yeah. the things that stood out to me is like him being in the tent and having to just listen to her cry herself to sleep. All I'm doing is widening my eyes at Avery because I don't know <laughs> what words to use. <laughs> like that was yeah. so hard to watch and think about. Yeah. I guess in that episode, I thought I was putting myself in Josh's position a lot more than I was in some other ones. I don't know if that makes it better or not, but that was my experience watching it. And when she also, the conversation where she says, I don't understand why you weren't, haven't been or weren't, aren't mad at me. Like I'm so mad at Ginger. And I don't know. It felt like a, it felt so believable. He was like, well, I, am I mad? Like, I don't know. Like maybe I'm mad sort of, but then, but you're in so much pain and you're sick. Like, I, I don't know how helpful it is to be mad at you. I thought that was a really interesting conversation um, to watch. And then you also, cause I think it's alluded to, but that's when he says the third time you attempted suicide and you're like, okay, how many times have you gone through this? Josh, well, both of them, but thinking about Josh, that yeah, how you just said you don't know where it happens, but you knew it happened. Like, is that how that character was just sort of always feeling? Like, are we ever going to get to the other? Is she ever going to not die this way? Yeah. 
which is very scary. Very just sort of waiting for the yeah. inevitable. I think the other thing the show does well is show like all the different reactions, like Hannah responding to it or, or how everyone worried about Rose in different ways. Cause Alan was very helicoptery about it. And Josh had mm-hmm. more of a vibe of like, I don't want this to happen. I will talk to you about it, but I also am going to live my life still. Like I'm not going to just sit next to you. Um, and then Hannah obviously was in her, like struggling with her own stuff. I was like, I can't struggle. I can't struggle your struggles too. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really powerful too. Cause everyone reacts so differently. I guess maybe that was powerful for me. Cause I, I can get so in my own way of how I'd respond. So it was really valuable to me to see like, there's no right way to react to any of this stuff or feel or respond. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to have a really different journey with it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting when she actually does kill herself at the end and you see all of them reacting and they're all sort of reacting about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're talking about their own pain to Josh and you see Josh just feel like she, he doesn't say to people like, stop doing yeah. this but you can see it happening. And then I think that's why his conversation with Claire is so important to him because Claire doesn't say anything about herself or how hard it is for her. And she doesn't sugarcoat it or Mm -hmm. anything. She's like, yeah, this is horrible. There's literally nothing I could say right now to make it better. And he immediately says, thank you. Like everyone keeps trying to make it okay. And it just can't be okay. Like this is just bad. It's just bad. And it's bad for him. Like a lot of people talk about how hard it is for them to see him in so much pain Mm -hmm. don't know yeah (laughs) or also i think it's okay to feel or think that away from him not at or to him like you you're a human Mm -hmm. being too sure um but that is not what this person is needing from you no and also like it's an unfamiliar way to be but it's actually not that hard to just be like i see you that's what i'm here for Mm -hmm. granted like i have some training in that at this point now, but it is really interesting how, if you practice just making space for other people's feelings and tolerating being uncomfortable, it becomes really easy and more people should learn how to do it. Yeah, I think they should. (laughs) I feel like I'm working on trying to be better at that. And I think it comes, well, it's probably different things for different people, but it can come from control or just not wanting to be part of the problem or they just want to, people just want to problem solve. I'm like, this isn't a problem. They really do. And also life is not a problem they can solve. No. Which is a really good thing this show shows. Like a lot of times sad, maddening, really beautiful, really joyful things are all happening at the same time. And you're just never going to solve anything. No. So what is the point? Yeah, I found it really validating when Rose couldn't stop crying about like nothing like scene the scene where she starts crying in the elevator at the beginning and she's like silently trying to cry Mm -hmm. the amount of times I have been in public or like around my friends or around my family and just start crying and just like have to silently cry oh god (laughs) yeah and I can't tell you why like sometimes it's just happening It's just happening. Well, I think to your point of how they showed that like Hannah's depression was so like not for herself, but in herself and hidden away. Hannah also like there's a line where Hannah says, it's not even that I'm not it's not that I'm not winning the game. I'm not even playing the game anymore. (laughs) Like I'm just in I'm just moving forward, sort of basically. Um, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. like it is chemical. Like sometimes 
people are just crying or in pain or whatever because it's chemical. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of folks who either haven't experienced that or just want it to be easier to look at or solve are so quick to be like, okay, what's wrong? And you're like, fucking nothing, all of it, both? I don't know. Um, It is chemical. It is also such a game of perception. Mm-hmm. Like to make yourself well, sometimes you just have to lie to yourself that you're well until it's real. Yeah, fake <laughs> it till you make it. Yeah, I don't know. I also saying that as someone that literally needs medication to be a mm-hmm. normal human. So I'm not saying that, you know, it's not real, but. I, do, I think you're right. I think perspective plays a huge role in it. I mean, that's yeah. just true for all, for everything, basically. Yeah. And everyone's I think coming it's from the, a slightly different one. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons why this show is like a really important fictional thing, because I don't think I've seen I don't I haven't seen anything depict life in the way that this show does. No. Well, we even said that last week. It's like slice of life without being too slice of lifey. Like it's not trying to be overly dramatic slice of life. It is literally like here's some life now. There's also scenes to lighten things slightly. There's also scenes where, yeah, they're all like sitting around with cardboard making little homes or they're like dressing the baby and the dog up together and doing a photo shoot or they're like back in mm-hmm. the hot tub, which they apparently call a spa. Very Australian <laughs> of them. Like, um, or just baking random stuff because he felt like making a chocolate ganache or whatever. Like there's also moments where you're just like, what should I do today? Oh, I'll, I'll do this thing. Um, which is sort yeah. of like, Things are just, life is just happening. Fill it up. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you get the bad slice and sometimes you get the good slice. Right. And they definitely knew that's what they were doing because at the end, I think it's after he breaks up with Arnold. um, Josh is standing in the kitchen talking to Ella and Tom and they have, he like goes out or whatever, does this whole spiel. And then at the end he just goes, I don't like this slice. And then leaves the room. He's like, I forgot about that. He's like, this slice of life can go in the trash. This is not for me. Not for me. I feel like another thing the show does so well is it just, maybe this is the same thing, but encapsulates that feeling of a moment where something happens or someone says something to you and you were just sort of like, what am I to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that? And I feel like this show is just giving you those moments because that's sort of life like over and over again. And sometimes it's an emotional thing you're supposed to do or logistical or nothing really. And you're just like, all right, well, that is also now here. (laughs) I keep doing the other thing that I was doing. Um, Yeah. But that's not really talked about that much in real life or on TV. Like everything's very structured and intentional. And to your point of, I think you said, he said, there aren't like arcs really. It's not like a storyline that starts and ends. It just sort of flows. Yeah. I guess I'm just repeating us now. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. And I think that might be one reason why I see it as a really important fictional thing. Because I think it's a nice depiction of it's okay if you don't know what to do mm-hmm. and you can keep moving and still in relationship with people mm-hmm. when you don't know exactly what to do. Totally. And you can prioritize the relationship you have with people and the relationship where you have your friends over these details that you need to address. Totally. You get you know? to choose like you don't, mm-hmm. cause I feel like we are the universal. We is told to find a way to live your life and, there are steps to take in an order to take them in. I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. 
look at that as it's, it could be suggestion. Or even like a way to be in relationship with someone in a particular way. Like mm-hmm. my relationship with my mom, like tons of shit has happened with my mom. But this weekend, we're just in California. Yeah. Put an apartment together. There you are. We laughed at Ikea earlier. She almost peed on herself because I couldn't like pick up a box. <laughs> it's like that also happened. Yes. Even- that's what <laughs> like- this show is showing that. Yeah. That almost like that would happen. They would be yeah. in Ikea trying to pick up a box and someone would pee themselves. <laughs> yes. So much anxiety and so much sadness and strife comes from people being like, well, we're not allowed to do those things anymore because we've had a fight. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know? Yep. Because we've had a fight or because what like something bad just happened to someone else. So now we can't do this. I don't know. There's endless. Yeah. Remember, they break up and then they're like in the van on the way back and a, a Justin Bieber song comes on. You should go and love yourself. Yeah. You know that song? Yes. And they, <laughs> they're like, oh, this is really not the thing we should be listening to right now. But <laughs> yeah. they turn it up anyway. Yeah. And they're all singing along. And then Arnold has a solo. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it, it matters a lot, but it also like doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Both are true. Yep. Okay. You saying, them saying that made me think of this. I have a few, like the two big themes I feel like overarching are music and food. And you had texted yeah. me while watching how much you love the music. I was talking about the score because if the music wasn't there, sometimes the show would be unwatchable. Mm-hmm. It'd be so sad and depressing, but the music softens it and gives it that sort of whimsical tone yeah and what's interesting is i read a quote from josh that said we didn't want to tell audiences how to feel so a thing will happen that's heavy or sad or whatever it is and then the music will sort of be the opposite of that and he's like we did that on purpose so you'd be like oh it's okay to feel okay right now in this moment or it's okay to feel sad it's not like the music is now like a big band like it's not totally screwing with me um but yeah i agree the music is incredible and i fast forward opening credits and opening things songs 98% of the time, not once did I do that with this show. It is so good. And they just use it very cleverly anyway, because they're, they intentionally decide what else is going to be happening during that. Like it's different every time. It does a really good job of setting the tone for the episode too. I was just thinking about the one where they go on a hike Mm -hmm. and how it's his mom just singing at acapella in the beginning. Yeah. And sometimes it's like more of a party episode. So the band at the club does the song like at one point it's a bunch of drag queens right that are doing it they're like performing it yeah it's very fun um and then the food which i totally kind of missed the first time i watched the show (laughs) i was like me too is he cook he doesn't really cook does he (laughs) cooking all the time i mean i guess he bakes more really well he cooks constantly good things and thinks about it that fits Mm -hmm. that makes sense I loved when somebody got him for Christmas, like easy weeknight meals. And he was like, I know how to cook. <laughs> so <laughs> Why did you get that for me? <laughs> well, and also the whole big, the whole episode with the, um, the last of the truffle oil went into the mac and truffle mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. And then Tom ate them. So Josh barricaded him in his room. For like a so long funny. Time. Very funny. Um, I really loved their friendship. Like mm-hmm. the threesome friendship, Claire, Tom and Josh. Yeah, I, I'm curious how they would have done, shown or Claire would have grown differently if she was able to be around more in the last few seasons. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was what was sad because it felt like it wasn't really intentional. Uh, because I think so much of what's done in the show is really intentional and that 
happened like to them. Like they had to force that story a little bit. Maybe that's why it was so odd. Yeah, I agree. Okay, the couple other things we talked a little bit about Alan, but I just thought the, the dad, I just thought the whole the family dynamics with May and the baby, but also with Rose, fascinating. Loved it. I mm-hmm. thought it was very fun. Me too. And interesting. Again, such a nice depiction of like some shit's happening. It's kind of weird. We don't know how these people fit together, mm-hmm. but we're all family. We're just a family. Like that Christmas episode mm-hmm. where all of them are at dinner and <laughs> and they all yeah. keep. <laughs> I love when the baby's crying and May is trying to sleep train the baby. So I'm not going to go like check on her. And everyone has commentary. Um, and one of the times the baby starts crying, she just goes, we're not going to talk about it. And in theory, you'd all be like, okay, now we won't talk about it. Everyone's quiet for like a half second. And then someone's like, I just don't think I could do this to my baby. <laughs> Which is just such a moment with family where you're like, can you just not? Can yeah. we just not talk about it? Yeah. But they can't. May is such a good character too. Both because they address racism. They, he does a little bit with racism in Australia. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about it, but there's some anti-Asian stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um because they they talk Aboriginal stuff big time where he's like definitely not good about it Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's like a couple times when people imply that May is like a male order bride Mm -hmm. or not that smart and then Alan is like she speaks four languages like fuck off (laughs) yeah like yeah and even like I kind of expected her at the beginning to be anti-Rose because Alan is still so fixated on Rose. Not at all. She loves Rose. There's like, remember when Stuart breaks into the house and won't leave? And it's like, Alan and May are in a tough spot. And you think May is going to be like, fuck, your ex-wife won't leave us alone. And she immediately is like, all right, well, we're getting in the car. (laughs) She also just seems to really be... Well, she struggles with it a little bit, but she seems to just be in love with, but know the man she picked. And she's like, I picked yeah. you. And part of you is Rose and Josh. So yeah, this that's is part of point. who I'm in love with. Like, if we get a call from Rose, we are going to go help. Mm-hmm. I'm not with someone that I can say, we're not going to go help. Yeah. Well, you can, but it won't work. <laughs> like that wouldn't right. have worked. All these characters are the kind of person that you could call in an emergency and they would come through. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. That's nice. I agree. Even when Josh calls Tom right away when he finds his mom. um, And even that like Ella's on the phone and he's just like, I need Tom. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess it's not exactly the same because he picked who he was calling, but anybody. Yeah. Would have responded exactly right. I thought it was really quite, I don't know. I almost want to use the word romantic that he just was like, I need Tom give. He's the person that I need right now please yeah i was shocked that nobody was like where are you i will come to you right now he should have that would be my first reaction like and started moving you know where he is you know where this house is i thought that was i'd be like okay i'll be there in 20 minutes yeah that's also my personality it is your personality (laughs) um and you would just say i'm coming yeah whereas but no one even asked which i thought was weird no one asked Mm mm-hmm if I, well, this is too dark. I was going to say you, but no. If I knew my friend was sitting in a room with their mom, I would be there as fast as humanly yeah. possible. I'd be breaking speed barriers. Yes. <laughs> Sound barriers. That's what I meant to say. 
sounds very <laughs> A policeman could just follow me to the destination and mm-hmm. give me a ticket there. Okay, I don't know if we want to talk about this, but another question was about the Jenny Tom was it rape scene. Oh. According to Josh Thomas, it is. He's like, yes, of course it is. That's how we wrote the scene. It's rape. She raped Yeah. Him. But, but yeah. we hadn't felt the exact same way. I don't know how much we want to get into it. It just felt like a notable episode. Scene. It's really sticky for me. I yeah. feel like it's honestly one of those situations where I'm going to listen to the person who was raped. Yes, if Tom says that he was uh, raped, you were raped. Very good point. Because the other thing that happens with him, which we don't see, but is the sexual harassment with the boss. Like he fingers her. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. And then he finds out a few other of his coworkers are suing her before because of that. Um, mm-hmm. And similarly, I think Alan is like, well, were you like, do you think you were assaulted? Like, wh- like, what's your take on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a good way to think about it. And another interesting commentary on straight masculinity. Mm -hmm. The fact that you don't really even question whether or not you're giving consent because it's kind of like default assumed that straight men are always giving consent if they're in a situation. And also, I mean, there's science about this too, obviously, because women can sometimes be like fear could make you lubricated. So then they're like, well, you were Mm -hmm. wet. So this, of course you were into it or whatever. And you're like, Mm -hmm. not necessarily. And same with like men can just be erect. So then it's like, well, I mean, if you didn't want it, you wouldn't have been hard. Right. It's not, that's not that simple. Um, Here's another secret. Sometimes guys do want it and they can't get hard. (laughs) Yes. So it's not necessarily, that is not an indicator. (laughs) Just believe the person. Believe them. 100%. And him and Jenny were not, good regardless of that moment and he was shitty to her like i'm not giving him a pass he was shitty to her but he never tried to rape her no she got pretty she got pretty bad bad. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah also tom this is going to keeping on tom but tom and ella they are Mm -hmm. together in real life and have a kid oh really yeah oh that's nice i like that i like that That were they together before she was on the show i do not know the answer to that I want to believe that they fell in love while making the show. I, that is my interpretation based on this person's question. Oh, I love it. I love Ella. I really shocked somebody wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) her whole Remember when she like Claire comes back into their life and she gets really upset and then they're on like a climbing gym. And she has her whole long monologue about how she like cares about the world, but maybe she only cares about it in like a selfish way. One of the most relatable things I'm I've seen. El- I think I like Ella because I am very, I feel like I'm similar to Ella in a lot of ways. Not totally, but like mm-hmm. that whole speech, I was like, that's how I feel every time I do anything good. I'm like, is this really yeah. <laughs> good or am I just trying to perform this? And if I now tell people, like, yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. I also really like that she kept asking herself, like, would I dislike Claire if she wasn't pretty? Like, would I be as threatened or frustrated with my ex having a mm-hmm. my boyfriend's ex being in the picture if I wasn't threatened mm-hmm. by her? Right. Like in a attraction way. And then she hates herself because she's a feminist and she hates that it matters that Claire's pretty. Right. But it, yeah, but it, but I get why it does. 
And yeah, I totally get what yeah. it does. I also really liked that the whole time Tom was just like letting her talk and liking her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He's just like, this is sweet and cute of you. <laughs> it's just such a good depiction of like, if somebody likes you, they just like you. You yeah. kind of just can't fuck up. They really just do. <laughs> like you're sort of fine. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So I feel like I've done this a few times now because I find it fun. I don't know if you find it fun, but I've made a list of other just like things like off the cuff moments to mention. Yeah. And then sometimes they make you think of fun ones too. So, okay. So this is very early on, but Josh says he's worried he'll miss vaginas. They just make sense and are very nifty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love really that. I loved the use of the word nifty to describe <laughs> them. <laughs> Um, Alan buying the new car was quite fun and he could barely even get in and out of this very fancy new car. And I love Josh and May. I love how often Josh and May gang up on Alan. Mm -hmm. It's very satisfying. Um, Josh sort of just skips coming out. He just doesn't really do it. Like he just starts introducing boys to people or making out with boys in front of people. I guess that's kind of based on his real life too. The way he came out to his dad is he was like, oh, when does your flight get in? By the way, I live with my boyfriend. See you soon. (laughs) I kind of get it. I mean, they have a whole speech where he's saying, it's probably just how he feels in real life, but he was like, isn't coming out sort of like 90s? It feels very 90s. Like, I feel like I don't need to. I don't think I need to. And fair. You don't, no one, you don't need to do anything. We talked about it already, but Arnold doing the fake coming out singing Chandelier. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Aunt Peg's funeral being the same day as his 21st birthday. Sometimes that shit just happens, man. Mm. And when they try to bring yep. the cake out to him and he's just crying at the cake. Like, don't. Like, yeah. I can't do both today. No, no, thank you. Yeah. I loved when Peg stood up in church and was like, my nephew is a homosexual and this is shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and she had been very devout, apparently. And then was just like, yeah. I see a flaw. There's a flaw in this system and I'm no longer a part of it. Thank you so much. I also yeah. really liked when they would just sing in the car. Like Peg would just make them sing. Rose sang mm-hmm. when she was upset. And then Josh did to other people, too. That's a thing, too, that family or friends just do for you. Yeah. The moment where Tom says, I think I'm a good person because I've just decided I think I could date a disabled person. Mm, I've thought about that. Given our sex education yeah. conversation. Yeah, too. And then his reaction was like, even the fact that you're thinking about this, I think means that you couldn't date a disabled person. Yes. And also <laughs> it makes you not a good person because you're you've decided it's true to be a good person, not like you would do this out of charity or something. Yes. and then josh says he doesn't think he could and tom is like see well i'm better than you (laughs) josh was like no because you've brought it up i'm being honest yeah anyway very funny the whole wow a lot of these about tom the whole chlamydia he is chlamydia again oh my god josh has to pretend he has worms to trick (laughs) ella into taking the (laughs) game I loved it. It was so horrific. If anyone did that to me, I'd be like, goodbye. Yeah. But so funny. So funny. And I loved that the end, she knew. Like, you knew someone was going to tell her. Like, they just hadn't thought through it all. It was just such a classic, like, thing that some 25-year-olds would come up with as the plan. The other thing that I liked about Ella, and I think is a nice contract to Claire, is that Ella was just like, you know what? I bet I like what's happening. Like, often she would be like, I know I should make the choice 
the stereotypical like, but I respect myself choice. Yeah. But I don't want to do that because I'm having fun. And Claire's the opposite. Respect, Ella. Totally. Live your life. She's just honoring herself. And I also, but I, yeah, also the moment where she's saying, I I think it was that or maybe something else Tom did where she was like, this was bad and you shouldn't have done it. And if I respected myself, I would leave. But I do respect myself, but I'm not going to leave. But you need to know that's not because I don't respect myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And more women should feel free to do that. Yes. You don't have to decide to leave a situation because you've been told to respect yourself. If that doesn't feel true to you. No, I agree. If you do, if it does feel true to you, please fucking leave. Please fucking but- <laughs> leave. Just don't stay or leave because you think you sh- should. Should. Like, just listen yes. to your own self and do what feels good to you. Don't. Yeah. Yes. Um, the gymnastics routines. When Patrick and mm-hmm. Josh do their gymnastics routines without doing. But like Josh doesn't do oh, yeah. gymnastics. <laughs> That was very funny. He just like walks around and puts his hands up. Oh my God, that was incredible. When Josh and Jeffrey go back out for like whatever the 12th time in season four and he puts a spoon on his nose for like most Mm -hmm. of the dinner, Jeffrey's not amused. They didn't make sense together. And then John, you know, I'm not like a dog person particularly, but I did really appreciate John. And he was just around. He was just around. I like when they try to make him destroy the cardboard city and he just leaves. Yeah. It's like very fun. He's a pacifist. He's a pacifist. <laughs> That's my list, I think. I liked yeah. the depiction of gay sex. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot about gay sex watching this show. Yes. His mom. So Josh would let his parents veto any storyline or any script when it like about them um, or about mm-hmm. the parents, I guess. And they never did, apparently. But when his mom watched the show, because the question was like, did your parents watch the sex scenes? And he said, yeah, I got a phone call from my mom that said, wait, men can have sex face to face. And she said, yeah, he said, yes. And she was like, well, that's lovely for you. And then hung up. (laughs) (laughs) It really got me thinking about how we think of gay sex and lesbian sex as this totally different thing. Yeah. And it's really not. not. Because we talked about that with feel good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's really not. Sex is sex, people. Maybe you should try more queer sex. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe it's for you. Rosie's like not for me. Not for me. (laughs) Listen to yourself. Don't listen to shows. Do what you think is right. Do what you think is right for you. Um, I think I also always pictured that gay sex would require a lot more like preparation. Yeah, I I do like that they show them getting lube and condoms out. Like depending on the like when he yeah, but it seems to be quite quick. Yeah, it's very fast so far. Just pop it right in there. They have a great time. They seem to have a very good time. They talk about bottoming versus topping. Of showers after he loves a shower. He loves a post-sex couple shower. Who doesn't? Me. That sounds not (laughs) you. Pleasant. When they're sitting in that bath together, I've seen that in other shows with like a couple just like lingering in a bath. Uh What are we doing here? No, (laughs) I don't want that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just not a touchy person. I mean, I know that, but watching this show, like there are some shows watching and being like, yeah, no, please get away. I don't need it. It's funny. I don't need it. I think that's all I have. It's a good show. It's a good show. It's on Hulu if you want to watch it. Because as always, we said a lot, but you could definitely still watch the show and get all the nuggets mm-hmm. that we can't quite capture for you. 100%. 
And his other show is also on Hulu, which is called Everything is Going to Be Okay, which is not quite the exact same tone, but if you like him, it's good. And I also recommend it if you haven't seen that. Did you try mm-hmm. it and not like it? I watched one episode with you. Not the beginning, just like a random one. I'll probably watch it now. There's a lot more women in it. There's just something so ineffable about this, especially the first and second season. Like, it's just so unique. It's less unique. Everything is going to be okay. It's more mainstream, for sure. Right. But Yeah. So check it out. This week, we our list is very different. It is on BuzzFeed. 31 TV roles that were so well-performed, they made people realize an actor had better range than they originally thought. <laughs> Number one, Hugh Laurie in House. I didn't know he'd done other things before that. <laughs> I guess obviously he had, but that's the main thing I know him from. Shailene Woodley, number two, totally agree. Um, agree, 100%. Lies. Yep. Because obviously seeing her in Secret Life of the American Teenager, I don't know. That's such a weird, emotionless character. Number three, Zendaya in Euphoria. Um, yes. Because she was Disney Channel Disney. star to Euphoria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like a, the quote from the person on this is that even just her jump from season one to season two in Euphoria, I think it's really groundbreaking. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. seems to agree. The way she plays that character, though, like when it comes to like gender and sexuality fluidity was pretty shocking from compared to where she came from. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. <clears throat> we posted it on our, or it's on our Instagram, but there's an interview. She's like on a panel for Euphoria and a little girl's like, what was it like going from Disney to Euphoria? And she's like, what are you doing here? It's like a very little <laughs> child. Number four is Andy Samberg for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. And I agree. 100% with, agree. Yes, I 100% agree. He's so good in that show. Michael Schur, I'm going to give some credit to him. I think he like made a phenomenal character. And anyway, I mean, Andy can get some credit as well. Number six, Kaylee Cuoco in The Flight Attendant. I literally said that to you. I was like, I didn't know yeah. she was a good actor. I don't think. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so I'd only seen her in Big Bang Theory and Eight Simple Rules. Like just played such a silly person. Curious what you think of this one. Number seven, Adam Scott for Severance. No, I disagree. I just I thought I knew he was a good actor before that. Yeah, I didn't need severance. No. I don't think this is best performance ever. No, no, no. And I don't even know that I think it shows range that I hadn't already seen. But I agree. Yeah. Number nine, Allison Brie in Glow. Yes, I agree. agree. I agree. So good. And groundbreaking. That. Everyone needs to go watch Glow. It's on Everyone Netflix. needs to watch Glow immediately. God, it's good. She's such a good character. Number 11, Alexis Bledel in The Handmaid's Tale. Did you see The Handmaid's Tale? I saw it. I don't remember her being in it. Clearly didn't make an impression on me. I noticed that she had a range that I wasn't aware of because Rory in Gilmore Girls is pretty one note. Yeah, one note. Uh, Number 12, Darren Criss in The Assassination of Versace. Yeah. Do you know where Darren Criss came from? No. Darren Criss went to Harry Potter thing. Yes. Okay. He's from the unauthorized Harry Potter musical that he put on as a college student. And it made the rounds on like a homemade video in fandom on Live Journal when I was in there. Amazing. That's where you know Darren Chris from. And then he got fan cast on Glee because That's everybody was Glee. obsessed with him okay. on the internet. I and that love was a real 
I loved him Actor. in Glee, and you showed me that Harry Potter thing because I saw that, and it's, it's like so, so good. We'll post that in the show it's notes. So good. Find it. Those same people did another musical that was called like My Dick and Me, <laughs> and it was kind of like a precursor to um, Big Mouth. Like I wonder if oh. they watched it because the dicks and the vaginas were their own characters. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Number thirteen, Matt LeBlanc playing Matt LeBlanc in episodes. I agree. Hmm. He is really. He, I am obsessed with him in that. Um, he's very good. I need to rewatch episodes. I like the two British people in it. Yeah, it's great. Number fifteen. I've not seen this, but Annie Murphy in Kevin can fuck himself. I'm very curious. Annie Murphy is um, Shit's Creek. Alexis, but she oh, plays like I love Alexis. Me too. But so this is a very different character. It's not Alexis mm-hmm. apparently, and I think she will get an Oscar soon. This person. Oh, well, Um, two number 16 and 17 are from Jessica Jones, both David Tennant and Kristen Ritter. I watched some of Jessica Jones. It was it was very hard to watch. (sighs) I didn't watch it. David Tennant, though, who didn't think David Tennant had range? He's He's one of the best actors. It would only be if all you'd seen was Doctor Who. I think that you'd be like, (laughs) What? Yeah, no, he's yeah, amazing. I agree. In Broadchurch, ugh. I know. So good. Number 18, Sebastian Stan in The Falcon and Winter Soldier. I disagree. So again, we all knew. Yeah, we, we knew all knew he was good. Do that. Number 19, Charlie Day in It's Always Sunny. I think that's actually true because we didn't really know him before that. Like we're on season, but this is saying specifically season 15. So apparently he does some crazy stuff in season 15. Oh, we got to get back in. I fucking love that guy. You know how much I love him. Yeah, same, same. Here's your true love, though. Number 20. Yes. Nick Robinson. She's bouncing. <laughs> my friend. My in, boyfriend, Nick Robinson. And made, which we also <laughs> said. I mean, I'd only seen him in Melissa yeah. and Joey, which is like, again, another Disney show. And um, yeah, God. So I'm so good. obsessed with him. So good. Number 21. He's so good. <laughs> number 21, Katie Seagal in Sons of Anarchy. I feel like she's never seen been show. around the block, but she is very good in Sense of Anarchy. Number 24, Jonah Hill in Maniac. I've not seen that. I haven't seen that, but I agree. Jonah Hill has displayed great range. I agree that you didn't. Didn't expect. Number 25, Hamish Linklater in Midnight Mass. You talked about him being good in that because you didn't love Midnight Mass, but. He's the, he's the, Father he's Paul. got dark hair. He's the priest. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing in that yeah. show. Yeah. Number 26, Carla Souza in Home Economics. She plays Marina, um, which is the wife of Tom. And Tom is, oh my God. Tom is the guy from that 70s show. Why can't, Topher Grace. Um, Oh, I guess I haven't seen enough of that show. Well, I think she's funny in it, but apparently she did a 180 because she was on How to Get Away with Murder and is like a cynical, emotional, falling apart character. And she's very like light and funny in this. Oh, so the point is that's still an interesting way to think about range. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean they were like, it's their best performance. Just like, didn't know you could do that. Gotcha. Um, 27 is Eric Christian Olsen um, in NCIA, NCIS Los Angeles. He's the guy who's in Fired Up. He's like the silly blonde oh. one, but he plays. Yeah, like yeah, he has, I love him. He has a lot of dark and serious storylines in NCIS LA. 28, Michaela Watkins and Casual. We love Casual. We should talk about Casual. Love casual. We should, yeah. 29, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester, specifically season 12 in the episode regarding Dean. It's very specific. Can you hear me clapping? Yeah. 
I'm so proud of Jensen. I love him. Yeah. I think we knew from episode one, season one, that he was great. But we knew. I really wish that he had gotten cast in Marvel. I know. I understand why he didn't, but. Number 30, Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad. From where Again, you... we knew. Well, He's I... been around forever. Well, the point was after Malcolm in the Middle, we didn't see the range, I guess. And okay, then 31, Adam Driver, when he hosted <gasps> SNL. Maybe oh. it was that we didn't know he could be. I didn't see him host SNL, but I assume he was funny. He's so funny. He has an undercover boss. Yeah, thing, that's what he plays Kylo Ren. <laughs> so, so funny. We'll post this, um, and I would love to hear other people, like other actors that you've seen that you were like, what? Didn't know you could do that. So that's the list. That is the list. That was Please Like Me. Can't recommend it enough. Our fun list of actors who have range. Who knew that actors could act? (laughs) <laughs> and our shortest what we watched ever ever it probably won't happen again and uh um, yeah. next week we, avery has worn me down and we are going to do born <laughs> i do like the movies i want to make clear i do like the born oh my movies, god i love it but she every the born identity is the, the born first identity one, right? yes okay we're only going to be talking about the first one but we might spoil the other two but we're only talking about the first one correct because it's its own thing and it might come up we have mini soda ideas folks you don't know what so coming. many so, you don't know. Yeah. So that's that. And in the meantime, you can follow us on socials. We are The Rift Pod everywhere. And you can email us at The Rift Pod. The Rift Pod. At gmail.com. That <laughs> <laughs> is so bad. I know. Um, and we asked last time. I'm going to ask again. Give us a little five-star rating and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell a friend. Tell a friend if there's an episode you liked. You Drop a review. Like. All you have to say is love it. Drop a review. Drop a review. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week.